the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to go into 2 Timothy, back to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. We left off at verse 9. And as I've reminded you on several occasions, Paul actually writes these epistles from one of the most notorious prisons in the Roman world. And that's Mamertine Prison, which was basically a hole, a dungeon, if you will, full of filth and darkness. And I think it's interesting that it was in this place where Paul is awaiting execution, surrounded probably by the most notorious prisoners, all of them in the same condition, that the Spirit of God touches his heart and says, Paul, I want you to write a letter to Timothy, a letter of exhortation, a letter of encouragement. Now, I don't know if there is a greater illustration of his strength being made perfect in Paul's weakness. Because Paul is sitting in the darkness, in the filth, surrounded by all of these felons, and God's asking him, in effect, to write scripture, to write a note of encouragement, to speak truth to Timothy. But you know, like that song says, greatest thy faithfulness, you know you have to have faith to know he's faithful. Because if you don't have faith, you don't see Him. If you don't have faith, you don't know Him for who He is. And Paul knew Him for who He is. And it wasn't about where Paul was parked at the time. It wasn't about the frailty of his body, the condition that he was in. It wasn't even about the soon departure of that body or the death of that body. It was about the truth of his God. So he willingly took the pen and and wrote truth, which we hold as scripture, because he had faith and he had the experience of a God who was faithful. And like David facing Goliath, he could see how big his God was. Like Daniel facing the lions, he could see how big his God was. And you know what? Our lives are spiritual. And we stand in the strength of Almighty God. We don't have one ounce, one iota of identity, really apart from God. We can try to claim it, but we don't have it. We're new creations, absolutely filled with the power 
and life of God Himself. That's who you are if you're a child of God. And you never walk into the darkness alone. You never walk into weakness alone. You are never threatened in your life. You're only threatened in your body. And when you embrace the truth of who God is and the truth of what He's made you to be, you can stand no matter how frail you are and declare His glory. So Paul, in that place of death and suffering, imparts the Word of God. He brings a testimony of courage and resolute faith. Now, as I said before, these epistles are not particularly cheery, but they are absolutely relevant because they speak to where we are as a church. And I'm not talking about this building or you as a congregation. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Paul has been describing what he refers to as the last days. And that's that period of time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. It's not just right before Christ comes. Let me tell you, you're in it. These are the last days. It's also known as the church age. The church age is literally in the last days. And one of the key verses that gives you, I guess, perspective or insight into what Paul is relating in, the, in this chapter is the first verse of chapter 3 where he says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. Paul is reminding Timothy of what to expect in the age that they're living in. He's also telling us what to expect in the age we're living in. We're living in the church age. We're living in the last days. What can be expected? Escalating wickedness, apostasy, demonic deceptions. And all that is listed from verse 2 to verse 8 that I read and we went through last time. I'll read a little bit of it for you this time. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sin, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And you might say, well, that is the way it is in the world, but that's the problem. If you study this, and we have, if you take into account the context, and we have, Paul is describing what is going on within the church itself. And I'm not talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church as an institution upon the earth, upon the planet. This is what's happening, not what will happen. This is what's going on. This is what's taking place. It's not a prophecy of what might happen or what will happen later on. And Paul is pointing it out to Timothy. He says, this is what you can see in the church. Well, 
that could be discouraging. Some of these might just be carnal believers. But most of them are those who name the name of Christ but literally have no relationship with him. That's what he's talking about. This is what the modern church looks like in the last days. That's pretty sad, but it gets worse as you look through verses 7 through 9. These people are always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. They want to know about, but they don't want to know him. They want to know about him, but they don't want to know him. Go ahead, give me another education. I come to church, I go to Bible study, I learn more, I got another booklet, I got another notebook full of notes. I want to know about, but how personal is it? How intimate is it? Are you growing from what you know? Is what you know a revelation of a person? Or is it just someone's thoughts? Is what you know being revealed to you out of your life or out of the life of somebody else? Or is it just what you've observed? That's the problem. Because a person who seeks to know and a person who is looking for the person of Christ, who's living from the person of Christ, look very much the same on the outside, but they're not. These people are always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Again, because they know, want to know about and not know. Their very lives oppose the truth. Then in verse 9, he makes this statement. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janice and Jambres' folly was also. Now, as I pointed out to you last week, according to tradition, many people believe that these two fellows were the magicians in Pharaoh's court that imitated the miracles of Moses or that God did through Moses with their tricks. They were part of hardening Pharaoh's heart. And at some point, they feigned conversion. I think it's because, it, you know, at some point, God showed them that they weren't as big as they thought they were. Possibly, Pharaoh said to them, look, you can get your stuff and get on out the door with these guys. So they left with the Israelites, but they were later exposed in the worship of the calf, and they met their death there. Now, the key point is they do not get any better with knowledge. Their lives will reveal them. This is the corruption visited upon the institution of the church in the last days, and it will grow in its wickedness, grow in its apostasy as the days go by, while persecution against the godly will be ongoing with varying degrees and intensity. Let me tell you something about the persecution of the church. The majority of that persecution comes against those who are pursuing godliness, who are living according to truth. And that's very clearly pointed out. And you say varying degrees because the church, the modern church as we know it, is not experiencing wholesale persecution. And why should it? There is so much heresy and apostasy. The enemy's not going to upset that apple cart. Let them go on. Keep it going. Let the people of God get shallower and shallower and shallower in their relationship with the Lord. Let their understanding of the word come off of Facebook. Let the depth of their understanding of God be what they hear over the radio. 
Don't let it ever affect their lives to any great degree. That's a greater work of the enemy. And this is what Paul is warning Timothy about. So Paul is writing Timothy to say that the trials and the persecutions are to be expected. This is normal, Timothy. Don't look at this, and this is what the enemy will do. He's saying, Timothy, don't look at this, all that's coming against your preaching, against what you're trying to affect in that church. Don't look at that as a setback. Look at it as normal. Don't look at that as the enemy gaining ground. Look at that as the enemy losing ground as you push forward with truth. Keep the proper perspective. And recognize, and this is really the whole of the text, you need to recognize that the the path is getting narrower. It really is. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. The number of those who name the name of Christ but do not know, in fact, know the person of Christ, I fear is greater than those of the true believer. That's just my opinion. The false teacher or preacher, the man-centered religionist, the liberal theologian, the legalist, and the licentious, these are the cancer in the modern church. These and others are what Paul is warning Timothy about. And he is calling on Timothy to stand strong. Timothy, you must guard the teaching of truth in Scripture. You must guard sound doctrine. You must stand in faith. Because I'm going to tell you something. These are words that we use to represent Timothy holding on to truth. The truth that God established. Timothy didn't establish the truth. God did. And when we say guard, we say stay true to it. Because you cannot stand in your flesh with just what you know about the Bible. You stand in the truth by faith and the enemy is already defeated. Does that make sense? He's already gone. So, Timothy stands strong. So let's look at our text. We're going to actually be looking at verses 10 through 17 of chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. And if you will stand as we go through the reading of our text. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecution, and suffering, such as happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, And Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You may be seated. So there's the warning. Timothy, you must not give way to the assault of heresy or allow yourself to be swept up in the carnal, man-centered culture of that church you're in. 
Now let's look at verse 10 and 11. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, hope, love, perseverance, persecution, and suffering such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. You followed. God had given Timothy a godly mentor, a role model. And that's good when God allows it. But not all of us get that right away. Some of us go a long time without having that. You know, I think that the reason for that, that God doesn't always hand that out. Some of us didn't have a father or a mother that was godly. Some of us were raised in uh, ungodly homes or situations or maybe even carnal homes. And I think part of the reason that God doesn't allow that to happen more often than he does is because our humanity is inclined to follow flesh rather than spirit. And we get it in our heads that somebody is a godly man, so we'll set our sights in imitating and being like that godly man. And what we're doing is we're following flesh. That is a mistake. Paul was mentored. (laughs) He was mentored by the Spirit of God. God allowed him to go out into the wilderness and brought him into truth with a hands-on revelation through the Spirit of God. But Timothy, he was raised in a home with a grandmother and a mother that loved the Lord. They were Jewish, and so from early on, he was raised in the Scriptures. And they taught him who God was. They taught him. They were looking at the Old Testament. They taught him the character of God, and they loved their God. It was part of their identity. So he says to them, you followed. The word followed in the Greek actually means to walk alongside of, to study, to duplicate the movements of. Paul wrote in Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, he says, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me, for this reason I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of the ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, again, Paul's not talking about duplicating his humanity. What was it that Timothy knew and understood that he could take to every church just as Paul did. Jesus. Timothy was coming forward with an understanding of the Spirit of God. And here's the thing. You know, I can tell you about the Spirit of God. The Word of God can tell you about the truth of God. But until you embrace what the Spirit of God is teaching you, until you begin to walk in it in obedience, you'll only know about it. You won't know. Timothy walked with Paul. And that's the Greek implication, not just just alongside, but literally he was attached to Paul. But it wasn't Paul he was attached to. I don't think it was Paul he was attracted to. From all we know about Paul, he could be a pretty abrasive guy. I think he fell in love with Paul's Jesus. And he followed him so he could see Paul's Jesus. And Paul, remember, Paul was the herald of the new covenant. So what Paul was teaching and preaching was scripture. Timothy was drinking it in. 
So don't look at it as Paul saying, I want you to be sure and act like me. And it also says, Paul writes this actually in the Aorta tense, which implies you have followed me and you follow me still. And he writes, you have followed my teaching. And the Greek word there is talking about doctrine and divine truth. Paul was teaching the word of God as revealed by the spirit of God. And Timothy was faithfully following it. You followed my conduct, which means my manner of life, my behavior, and my lifestyle. And again, the emphasis is not on Paul's humanity. It wasn't how Paul mounted the donkey or folded his tent. He may have learned that from Paul, but as one teacher put it, Paul's doctrine was in harmony with his style. Now, this is what we we need to understand. For Paul, it wasn't just what he knew. It wasn't just what the Lord revealed to him. It was the way he lived. And Paul, Paul's identity wasn't in his humanity. So you wouldn't, you would not want to just focus on his humanity. You would want to focus on that light, that life that lies beyond. Because Timothy knew Paul better than anybody at that time. Do you think maybe he knew that Paul had a few weaknesses? You think maybe he knew that Paul wasn't perfect? Maybe he had an idea that Paul was literally encased in flesh. Maybe he knew that. Yet Timothy followed. And you know what he saw? You know what this being named right there? Not the character of Paul's humanity, but the character of Christ. And you know why that is so huge? Because he could say to Timothy, listen, listen, in the same way that I, I expressed the character of Christ, in the same way I was able to be patient, the same way I was able to love, the same way I was able to comfort, the same way I was able to endure, all of these things are in you, Timothy. Just live it out like I lived it out. Trust that God will be there and do those things just like he did with me. You see, Paul's not calling Timothy to pull himself up by his own bootstraps and become something. He's not telling Timothy to become something up here. And that's what you hear so often from the pulpit, especially with a verse like this. Oh, well, you know, we want to imitate Paul, so you want to be those things. Well, good luck! Try to express the character of Christ in your humanity. And it won't work. And you'll be in frustration and you'll think that God has called you to something you can't possibly do. Well, you know what? He called you to your new creation being that was absolutely created to express all that Christ is at any given time, under any circumstances, that was never, ever, ever hindered by the frailty of your flesh. And that's huge, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter what God asks you to do, faithful is he who called you who will also do it. He will do it. See, ministry is not just what you teach or what you profess. It's how you live. Timothy knew Paul's imperfections better than anybody, but he followed Paul's faith. The same faith that carried Paul, even when Paul's behavior wasn't all that it should be. Make it more than words, you know. Make it your life. Make it your passion. 
Paul tells Timothy, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecution, and my suffering. And then he writes in Galatians 2.20, he says, I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live with good conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, and in the midst of persecutions and sufferings, I now live in faith. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Well, that's how Paul did it. That's how you do it. You know that you have the same life and strength within you. It's the same vine that you're on. The exact same vine. My faith could also be translated my faithfulness, which is birthed out of faith, like I mentioned earlier. A faith that that trusts that Christ's life will express itself in patience and steadfastness. In unwavering faith in the midst of hostility. He says, you followed me in my love. Do you know what that love is? It's agape. The Greek word that describes who God is, really. It's a love that has its source in God alone. It's unconditional. It's supernatural. And I want to tell you that everything that Paul names that Timothy is following him in, he's following him in it because he shares the same spirit that Paul shares. And the love is God's love. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.